coming up on this episode of AARP's Perfect Scam. And I think at that time there was something on TV about Russian hacking, and uh, and that's why I thought it was sort of legit. There are gangs in Russia that bring in about $20 billion a year in revenue, more than most uh, businesses in the United States. This week's scam is what we might call a classic, if there's such a thing, at least a classic computer scam. It's the one where you see a message on your computer with a warning along with instructions on what to do next. These scams have been around a long time, but we're still falling for them. We'll tell you how these scams have changed over time, how they're still tricking us, and how to avoid falling for them. For The Perfect Scam, I'm Will Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, the AARP Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank, welcome back. Thanks, Will. Glad to be with you. Good to have you. And we are back talking about scams, frauds, victims, bad guys, good guys, uh, what to look out for, all that fun stuff. Right. Um, and oftentimes not so fun. And uh, this week we're actually talking about a pretty common one, and it's the virus on your computer. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting stuff to dig into, even with these really very common scams. Um, one being that people that fall for this one are not necessarily older. Uh, oftentimes they're younger. Correct. As a matter of fact, about a year ago, AARP and Microsoft did a huge survey and found that, to, to their surprise, that a lot of millennials fall for this scam more so than elderly folks. And uh, Again, they they deal with their computer every day. They believe what their computer says and the messages they get on their computer, and uh, they tend to fall for a lot of these scams uh, that come over about fixing your computer. There's malware on your computer. Uh, so it's not just a crime that would affect someone older. So even millennials fall for it, yeah. if not more millennials than, yeah. than older people. All right, well, let's uh, get into this one. This is Beth. And not only does it involve uh, uh, her computer necessarily being hijacked or a message on her computer, but it also involves the Russians. So here we go. Hello. This is Beth. She's retired, single, healthy, with a good group of close friends. It was a day like any other in August of 2016 when she got a call on her phone. Well, they said they were from the Dell Computer Corporation and that my computer was being hacked. And um, I went to my computer and um, I said, well, where does it show that I'm being hacked? And they said, well, do you see this in the corner? And they, there was like a strip of uh, wording at the top. I remember it was just like a little band at the top of the computer saying that, you know, the $12,000 would be um, extracted from my account, from my banking account. And were you still on the phone with, with the, the quote-unquote Dell representative at this point? Yes, I was. And so what did they tell you to do next? Well, um, they said that they were going to put on um, quite a few programs to protect me. And uh, one of them was AdGuard, and I forget what of the other programs were. And there were about four or five programs that they were going to put on. And they said um, that this would be lifetime protection with Dell. And uh, they told me how much it would be. They had asked for a check uh, for nearly $4,000. And um, I uh, went to the mailbox uh, right at my corner and mailed it, and um, hoping that I, I did the right thing. It, it, it was um, sort of traumatic um, writing out a check like that. Um, you mailed a check, um, and this is not a small amount of money. As, as a retiree, I'm assuming that $4,000 w- was something that you, you, you probably could have used. Absolutely. A few months later, Beth got another call. 
This time it was actually Dell. And she begins to realize what had happened. So you have this next conversation with, with somebody official, and they tell you, did, was there any indication on their end that this is something they were familiar with, they'd heard about it, or that, uh, you know, they, they were able to deal with this in a way and then maybe could even get your money back? They said, um, yes, we know about this. And they said, the, uh, I said I sent them a check to Renton, Washington, and they told me right away that was a drop-off site. So immediately someone was aware of this this drop-off site in, in Washington State where somebody was then going and picking up who knows how many checks, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So what did you do next? Uh, you realized that, that this had happened. I'm sure uh, you were eager to try to get your money back, but did you have a sense that, that there was any hope for that? Yes. Well, I called my bank, uh, uh, at Wells Fargo, and I had a representative talk to these people. It was a three-way conversation where um, I, we tried to convince them and, uh, you know, about sending my money back. But the thing is, naturally, after two months, naturally they cashed the check, and it was a, a little difficult. Okay, so you're, so you're, in a sense, stuck at that point. You, you, the bank is unable to help. The check has been cashed. What, what was your next, your next move? Well, what happened was I, um, I called AARP, and a very nice lady at AARP had told me a couple things. And she said, um, call the um, attorney general's office in the state of Washington. Beth had conversations with the scammers and the attorney general and was promised half her money back, but she never got the check. Fortunately, Beth had also called the police and filed a report. So then uh, what happened was um, I had called the police in Renton, Washington, you know, where I had sent the check. And a very nice policeman had said, you know, you have to um, tell uh, your um, police where you live. What, that this happened. So I called um, the police, and they came over. They took my information, and uh, there was some correspondence with the state, with this commission, the Pennsylvania Commission of Crime, and um, in about a couple weeks, I received my money back. The full amount? The full amount. What did that feel like to actually feel probably somewhat helpless along the way and then feel like people were actually helping you out and then you got your money back? I mean, I, um, <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I, it took me a long time, several months, but I really was so um, angry about the whole situation that I didn't want to give up. When you talk about being angry, I think that's a really understandable emotion. I feel like some people along the way, when they're the victim of these type things, will feel embarrassed or uh, it's a difficult thing to talk to. Tell us about that experience. Were you ever able to talk to anyone about it? or? or... Well, oh, oh, my goodness. I was so embarrassed. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you call the AARP and talk to a nice woman along the way. Oh, yes. I'm such a very nice lady. Oh, my goodness. She was just wonderful. And she was going through all the things that, of what I could do, you know, different things. And, um, but she was wonderful. And Beth, the other thing you talked about was feeling embarrassed. And that is super common uh, with any of these stories. But the thing is, is that we're all vulnerable and they're really good at, at doing what they do and getting us uh, in a moment of uncertainty and seeming really legitimate. That uh, Has that 
experience weighed on you, and I hope you're over that embarrassment to some degree. Yes, I did. In in fact, I guess in April, I, I was at a dinner with some people, and I told them the story, and, um, you know, I felt I felt good that I told the story. I think anybody who tells you they haven't maybe made a misstep along the way in this modern age and maybe said something, responded to something, or given out a number or otherwise that they felt they shouldn't, um, everybody, you know, has an experience like this. Yours just went further than a lot of people, perhaps. And not everyone gets the message that the Russians are hacking them. Yes, correct. And I think at that time there was something on TV about Russian hacking. And uh, and that's why I thought it was sort of legit. And uh, It's been in the news a little bit. Yeah. yeah and at that time, too, <laughs> right, yes, right. Um, in, in August, you know, because I guess with the election and so forth at the time. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you got your money back. We all are. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Frank, if the Russians are hacking you, um, as always, stop and verify. In this case, so, I mean, this is a classic, like, you've got a virus, you need to check this out. There's urgency. There's everything classic about this scam. Yeah, except that they they work a little differently now, that uh, they've modernized that a little bit in that where you might be at your computer and the screen starts fluctuating a little bit, lines start going through it, and you think you have a problem with your computer, and then all of a sudden a pop-up comes up and says that this is Microsoft and we believe that there's malware or ransomware. Please call this toll-free number. And you call that number and supposedly a tech support person from Microsoft's on the phone and says, uh, we detected some malware or ransomware in your computer. Uh, we need to get it out. And either one, we want to take over your computer so we can remove it, in which they take all your personal files, your financial records, and ransom them back to you. Or they simply say, we can fix it. There is a fee. It's a $200 fee, but you can give us a credit card number. We charge it to you, and we'll have it fixed in a matter of minutes. And people give them their credit card over the phone, and uh, obviously they're going to charge a lot more than $200 on it. And so it's the same scenario, just a little more updated the mm-hmm. way uh, the way they do it. But the results are are pretty much the same. And so on that first one, when do you find out that all of a sudden they've got all your information and they want to, as you say, ransom it back? So they want to just sell it back to you for a certain price, right? I mean, they they say, well, right. we've got all your bank account numbers, we've got this and that, right? And and the and the check the the mailing the check thing now has become more popular because you would think you would say to yourself, why would the criminal want you to send them a check? Uh, but basically, having a Dropbox somewhere and having a check sent is not a problem that you can do that, so it can't be traced back to you. But it sounds much more reasonable. The minute you start saying to people, give me your credit card number, they get a little leery. Right. But it sounds a lot more legitimate if I say just send a, a check to this particular company. Uh, it makes gives it a little, again, gives you a little more credibility, makes it sound a little better. And uh, they're still getting your money. Uh, so the thing is that I always tell people that Microsoft is not going to call you. Uh, if there if there is a problem with your computer or you believe there's some malware or ransomware or someone tells you there is, you need to call a legitimate company with tech support, such as Best Buy, someone like that, to send out a tech to your house to look at the computer, clean it up if it needs to be, and pay the fee for them to come out, which is going to be a lot less money. But at least you're dealing with a legitimate person. Do not do anything that over the phone because someone told you to or or send money if you had to. And And the honest truth, I always tell people to remember that the bottom line is you're always safer paying by credit card. The credit card is the safest form of payment that exists on the face of the earth. 
because there is under federal law zero liability to you. So if I in fact gave two hundred dollars and they charged it and made it twenty thousand, I have no liability for that. Um, if I buy something online, they don't deliver it. I buy it, it's broken. I buy it because it was a phony website and I never got it. I'm covered by my credit card company. Uh, when you use a debit card, for example, they're withdrawing the money out of your account. Then you have to ask the bank to reimburse you that money, and that comes with investigation and who is responsible, you or them. Uh, so I always look at only using a credit card. This way, if there is a scam maybe or there's something where I'm a little doubtful, I'm not going to worry about losing any money if I give them my credit card number. This scammer also did something by using, and I kind of joke with her a little bit about this in, in the interview, but Russians uh, hacking her account. I mean, it's sort of tying into maybe what you're hearing about in the news or current events or trends. Is this something that scammers will do is that they'll say if the Equifax stuff is going on, that was right. big news in 2017, right? Um, it, will they play on some fears surrounding that? Yeah. And I keep in mind that it's not likely the Russians doing that, but uh, the Russians do hack a lot. Sure. Uh, there are gangs in Russia that bring in about $20 billion a year in wow. revenue, more than most uh, businesses in the United States. Working online scams. Working online scams. So, uh, and a lot of times, uh, you know, people say, I heard from someone, but they had an accent from India or they had an accent from Russia. Well, that a lot of people are not so suspicious anymore because so many of these call centers are overseas in other countries. So if someone has an Asian accent or an Indian accent, they're not that suspicious that it's fictitious uh, because they use so many call centers overseas. But yes, you know, the Russians hack, the North Koreans hack, uh, we hack, you know, the American government hacks other kind. People, information is money. And uh, so people are using that uh, ability to hack into systems to get data and information. Let's talk again about these drop-off locations where people are asking for money to be sent. Is that a relatively safe thing for a scammer to do, say, I've got a drop-off box? I mean, is that not – can the yeah. FBI not easily find that? Uh, not, not, they I mean, can, but they only after the fact. Right. So after there's enough complaints about it, uh, then they can f- go track out. It's, you know, a lot of times they just use a P.O. box. So they get the P.O. box with a fictitious name, and they uh, and it used to be that – it was a little more difficult because you got the P.O. box at the post office, and the post office had all these identification requirements. You had to have a true mailing address that the post office knew of, uh, and the post, uh, postal service was a little more strict about having a post office box and knowing who owns it. But today, of course, you have UPS stores, you have mail stores where you can just go rent a box, and you can say you're anybody and rent a box and then uh, just walk away from it. So. Once you've collected enough money before anyone can get onto it, you've moved on to some other box number somewhere. But the FBI will, as you as you mentioned here, if enough people complain about it and they know about a drop-off location, they, they may get to it. But it, again, maybe too late. Yeah, and the, and the thing moved that people, on. Yeah, the people that people need to understand that law enforcement is overwhelmed with fraud in the United States. Last year, fraud was nine hundred and seventy-five billion dollars. That's just white collar related fraud. It had nothing to do with burglary, robbery, theft of property, drugs, narcotics, violent crime. It was strictly dealing with white collar related crimes. So you're very limited to the resources law enforcement has. So the FBI has 13,000 agents. However, those agents are dealing with terrorism, bank robberies, kidnappings, and many other things. So what typically happens is when you go on financial crimes, you're looking at the highest dollar amounts So this is why when people say, you know, I told my credit card company who stole my card. 
and who used it, yeah. and I had proof. It's not worth it. And they all. didn't do anything about it. Well, no, because that was a $3,000 charge when they were dealing with a $3 million fraud ring that was defrauding them every day. Right. So they have to privatize and go after which ones are, which ones are the ones that are causing the most problems. Painful if you've lost $3,000, right, but exactly. but puts it in perspective. Right. I always tell people, and it's unfortunate, but it's very truthful, that you cannot rely on the police. You cannot rely on the government. You cannot rely on the bank to protect you. You absolutely have to be a little smarter today, a little wiser, take, uh, take action with resources like the ARP Fraud Watch Network, where you can get good information, honest information, quick information. You have to be a little bit more resourceful today uh, because they, they're overwhelmed. They cannot do all of those things. And it is true that if I'm a victim of identity theft in Maryland and the guy that's doing it is in California calling the California police, they go, well, no, man, that's a problem for the Maryland police. Yeah. And then the Maryland police say, you know, we have enough troubles here our own without dealing with somebody in California. So it, you're kind of on your own, and that's why you have to be a little more protective. I would only add that I always tell people, anytime you have a financial crime or a consumer crime, the best place to call to report it is to your state attorney general's office. Because the state attorney general is elected by the people of that state, he has a great consumer task force who deal with those consumer crimes related directly to the citizens of his state, and he or she will take action. They will follow up. They will do everything to recover your money, much more than you calling the police, the FBI, or anybody else. Your best bet always when it comes to a consumer crime is to contact your state attorney general's office. So that's really good advice and something that we will touch on in, in multiple episodes of our show. But where do people go? And the state attorney general's office, AARP Fraud Watch Network, also loves to hear from you um, and, and should hear from you. And you can report what's happening, right. uh, it, what, what's happened to you. And other people can they'll, – they'll connect the dots and show where a lot of something is happening. State and local police, as you say, they're stretched thin. And sometimes you'll go and find they'll have more people working on fraud than other departments. Right. But still, it's always a good idea to get that police report, right? Right. So it's good to get that police report so we know the incident occurred. And, uh, and you get a lot of times you do a lot better within a smaller community where the police are more apt to uh, act on something that affected one of their citizens. Uh, but again, it's not that the police don't want to. They're just so overwhelmed and they're trying to deal with the biggest problems uh, uh, on top. So that's why I just say that's why it's great that we have a state attorney general. It's great that he's appointed by the people of the state or she is and that they are the ones that I have found in my career when it comes to consumer crimes. They're the ones who do the best job of pursuing them, taking action and getting your money back. And Beth is super persistent. She goes to a lot of different places. And in the end, she also has a little bit of luck. Uh, it sounds like right. there are people that are working on, on this case, and she gets her money back. And what happens sometimes, there are victims' funds. So sometimes when they realize, after they've investigated, that you truly were taken and that it was a scam and you're out your money, a lot of times then they use victim funds to, to recover your money uh, for you. And they being? The uh, state attorney general okay. or someone right. in that case. And, you know, you mentioned earlier this uh, pop-up uh, on a PC, I assume, right. with Microsoft. But um, you've seen this sort of screen in yeah. your work with the I've FBI? Seen, I mean, you've I've seen, seen what it looks like? they the screen. Okay. They make the screen have lines in it. Yeah. They, like she said, had a banner come across the top saying uh, – having a statement on it. That's not very difficult to do, you know. But, and, Can and, you uh, presumably escape out of something like that without responding to anything? I mean, what if you yeah, do you, have something like that? It may turn your computer off. 
Uh, yeah, you may have a problem, but you can escape out of it. And again, like I said, if you can't or it's just persistent or whatever yeah. the case may be, rather than deal with someone you didn't solicit, they called you, they sent you an email, they contacted you, yeah. I'm going to turn around and make my own call to a tech support company and have them come out and look at it and fix the problem, not have you call me and tell me you're going to fix the problem. But that message that you get, the pop-up or whatever it may be saying, oh, you've been hacked, that doesn't necessarily mean you've been hacked. No, it's just that's part of the scam. They just want what they're – They've gotten to your computer somehow, yeah, your IP address. Yeah, but that's just – they're not really hacking it. They're just manipulating it. They haven't they gotten really in your haven't files. They really haven't done anything. Okay. They haven't gotten in your files. Okay. And that message is just to get you to call that 800 number yeah, yeah. so that they can then make you believe that they are legitimate and that you're going to send them some money. All right. So listen up, millennials. If you're falling for this or of any age, I should say. Right. But, we, but as you said, there's plenty of young people falling for this right. stuff too. Frank, before we go, we should remind people that if you get a link in an email, you don't know where the email is coming from, don't click on it. Right. 99% of ransomware comes from clicking on an email. I will say this. These emails are getting pretty sophisticated. I saw one recently that simply said, hey, Helen, great having lunch with you today. I hope you and Bob and the family have a great trip to Disney World next week. When you get back, we'll get lunch together, together, together again. Uh, I wanted to also tell you that I saw this cool thing on YouTube. Oh. Uh, why don't you check this out when you have a cho- uh, opportunity and, and click on this? And link. I'm assuming this came to someone named yeah, Helen. Uh, yes, and it, and the friend who signed it is their friend they'd had lunch oh. with. And and this comes again from social media where Helen said, I just had lunch with Carol. And she said earlier in the Facebook, I'm going to Disney World next week with my husband Bob. These people take that information, put it together, but that's what sells it. It's so real. Who else are you going to yeah, think I'd it fall is? fall for that. And you're not saying, well, he picked that up from Facebook. Helen should click on that yeah, link. Yeah, right, right. It's, it's so real. No, I'm on, kidding. Right. Don't click on that. But, right. uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's too tricky. Be careful, yeah. And I understand you. Uh, there's also ways that they'll go through email and pick up on keywords. Is that right? Uh, or am I not? No, they pick up on keywords. They go through email to find things. Anything that convince you that, well, this looks okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those emails you get, you go on that link. I'm not right. clicking on it. But some of them look very legitimate. And then if you are really in doubt, you need to look up who sent it and what is the actual return email or URL, whatever the case may be. And we haven't touched on the whole topic of but business to business emails where where you get uh, where you get an email from someone in your company uh which is a big one right well i had one just to go over this with you a few weeks ago a agent in california gave a cfo of a company my home number and he said i know it'll be okay with frank if you call him at home and the cfo called me and started out by telling me that he's a chief financial officer of actually a technology company in california employed about 4000 people he said, our uh, CEO, um, our accounting department, received an email from our CEO saying, send me up all the W-2 files. I want to review them. So our accounting department sent them up. Oh, no. A couple of days later, the accounting department uh, called, uh, sent a follow-up email just to say, I hope you received everything. Any questions, please let me know. He said, I never requested these. So what I said to the gentleman was, well, those are now in the hands of someone else. But you you know, social engineering, there is no technology and there never will be any technology that can defeat social engineering. I used it many times as a 16-year-old who only had access to a phone to social engineer people. And with. when you say social engineering, what do you mean? Social engineering, for example, um, when I saw the uh, pilot come out of the hotel and said to myself, I'd love to get that uniform. In your past, in your in history. In my past right? history. Yep. 
I walked up the street further, and I happened to see the Pan Am building, 200 Park Avenue. You can't miss it. So the next day, I placed a phone call to Pan Am. When their switchboard answered, I asked to speak to someone in uh, purchasing. When an agent came on, I told him that I was a pilot based out of San Francisco and that we flew in last night. We're going out today. I sent my uniform out to the hotel to have it dry clean, but now the hotel and the cleaner say they can't find it. I had a flight in a few hours and wanted to know what to do or where could I get another uniform. He explained to me about, would well, you have a spare? I said, yes, it's in San Francisco. I don't have a spare with me. He said, it will cost you the price of uniform. I said, I understand. He came back and said, go down to the well-built uniform company on Fifth Avenue. They're our supplier. They'll take care of you. That's all I was doing. So in the, if had that person in accounting been properly trained in social engineering, they would have gotten that email, knew it was highly suspicious and unusual, would have gotten up, walked over the elevator, pressed the button, went up to the CEO's office and said, did you send me an email requesting W-2 files? Of course, he would have said no. So you have to teach people how to deal with social engineering, recognize it when it's coming, but that is taught. There is no computer going to help you with that. And so uh, it's used all the time. I used it 50 years ago. People use it every single day. They only have a lot of other ways to deliver it through emails and through text messages and et cetera. All right. The AARP Fraud Watch Network Ambassador Frank Abagnale, thanks again for being here. Great being with you, Will. Thanks. For more information and resources on how to protect yourself from becoming a victim of a scam, visit AARP's Fraud Watch Network website, aarp.org slash Fraud Watch Network. All right. Many thanks to our producers, Julie Guess and Brooke Ellis, our audio engineer, Julio Gonzalez, and of course, my co-host, Frank Abagnale. Be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts or any of the many fine podcast outlets you choose to visit. For The Perfect Scam, I'm Will Johnson. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about, whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer, starting at just a few hours a month. This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit AmeriCorps.gov slash your moment today.